For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. For the past two months, I've been researching every single statement Joe Biden has made about being a protester, a marcher, a demonstrator, someone who sat in in restaurants and movie theaters. And what I discovered disturbed me so much that I wrote a special piece that I just released about it, detailing 31 different lies that Joe Biden has told all about his quote-unquote involvement in the civil rights movement. When in 1987, he already apologized and said he had nothing to do with it. Today I'm going to unpack and explain it. Buckle up. Let's get into the facts. Let's know the truth. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. In 1987, when Joe Biden was running for president for the very first time, his campaign got swallowed up in a swarm of lies that Joe Biden told about himself and about his work, and he told these lies all over the country. First, Biden was caught plagiarizing a famous speech from British Labour Party leader Neil Kinnock, including parts of the speech that came straight from Kinnick's personal life, that simply were not true for Joe Biden. Then Biden plagiarized yet another speech from the late Robert Kennedy, and then another speech from President Kennedy, and then another speech from Hubert Humphrey. And you have to understand, this was pre-internet, pre-social media, and something in Joe Biden's mind made him think that he could get away with it. And he didn't. And it ultimately tanked his entire campaign. Let me play you some clips. But this standard is not a measure of how we can evaluate the condition of our society. It cannot measure the health of our children, the quality of our education, the joy of their play. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. Let us pledge that our generation of Americans will pay any price, bear any burden, accept any challenge, and meet any hardship to secure the blessings of prosperity and the promise of opportunity for our children. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. And I started thinking as I was coming over here, why is it that Joe Biden is the first in his family ever to go to a university? Why am I the first Kinnick in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? 
Why is it that my wife, who's sitting out there in the audience, is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Glenys the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? No, it's not because they weren't as smart. It's not because they didn't work as hard. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. Does anybody really think that they didn't get what we had because they didn't have the talent or the strength or the endurance or the commitment? Of course not. It was because there was no platform upon which they could stand. Soon, it was discovered that Joe Biden had not just plagiarized those four speeches, but had lied about academic awards, lied about scholarships, lied about his ranking at Syracuse Law School, where he had actually almost been kicked out of school for plagiarizing five entire pages of an essay, and that he also frequently lied about something that he had not just made a central part of his 1988 presidential campaign bid, but he was lying about something that he had made a central part of his entire persona. Temporarily, Joe Biden paid a price for most of those lies, but he was never fully held to account for the worst of them all. On the backs of people who actually paid an enormous price for being activists and organizers in the civil rights movement, Joe Biden created a completely false narrative of his work and contributions to the movement, and he continues to tell these lies to this very day. Instead of plagiarized speeches, he plagiarized entire details about his actual life. He not only told these lies in previous generations, they have now fully returned to his current stump speeches in churches and venues all over the country, as if he never acknowledged and apologized for them before. He already said these things weren't true, and now he's saying them again. It's shameful. In just a minute, I'm going to give you a full accounting of every lie that Joe Biden has told about his work in the civil rights movement. First, though, I want to play you a powerful clip from the New York Times about why that first run for president failed. You have to understand who somebody is back in the day to understand who they really are today. The next president of the United States, Joe Biden. It's June 9th, 1987, and then Senator Joseph R. Biden Jr. has just entered the presidential race. Look familiar? The 2020 race is Biden's third attempt at the Oval Office. He first ran for president 32 years ago. For those who may have forgotten or weren't around in 87, here's what happened. Biden started off as a strong contender. Senator Joseph R. Biden Jr. of Delaware. But his campaign was marred by some early blunders, like this one. What law school did you attend, and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is... I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. And he exaggerated his academic record in law school. Went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. And then there were moments like this, repeated later during the campaign. When I marched in the Civil Rights Movement, I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. But he never actually marched in the civil rights movement at all. 
Ultimately, it was accusations of plagiarism in his speeches. I did not know that was a Robert Kennedy quote. My mistake. That forced him to drop out of the race. I made some mistakes. After that, Biden stayed in the Senate, ran again in the 2008 race, became the vice presidential nominee, and then the vice president. Laid low for a little while, and now we're here. If I'm going to be able to beat Donald Trump in 2020, it's going to happen here. And certain things, including a handful of Biden's vulnerabilities, haven't changed. He's still leaning into some of the core messages he highlighted during his first presidential run, often emphasizing his profile over policy promising to put the country on the right path after what he sees as the ills of Republican administrations. Here he is in 1987. I tell you today that America is a nation at risk. In 2007. This president is going to be judged in his administration, judged very harshly by history. And in 2019. We're in the battle for the soul of this nation. But Biden has struggled to project himself as a man in step with the times, and parts of his political history continue to haunt him, like his role in the questioning of Anita Hill in 1991. It is appropriate to ask Professor Hill anything any member wishes to ask her to plumb the depths of her credibility. And more recently, it was his relationship with personal space. The boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset, and I get it. Throughout his more than four-decade-long career in politics, Biden has become known for his freewheeling charm and authenticity. I've been referred to as middle-class Joe. It's not always meant as a compliment. But his candor has also gotten him into some trouble. I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. As the Democratic frontrunner, Biden will be under a microscope. The question is whether he can harness the folksy appeal he's become known for without repeating the mistakes of the past. On two very important occasions, Joe Biden actually broke down and told the entire truth about his involvement in the civil rights movement. Nearly everything else has been a lie. I've counted at least 31 different lies that Joe Biden has told about being an activist, being an organizer, being a sit-in demonstrator, being a boycott leader, a voter registration volunteer, a black church trainee. I found at least 31 tales he's told about his life in the civil rights movement. But every time I dig, I actually find more interviews, more lies, more fabrications, more tales that he told to voters and reporters and historians. But first... I want us to start with two truths. In September of 1987, with his presidential campaign completely consumed by lies, Joe Biden, with his entire public life in shambles, fell on his sword and told the truth about his lack of work in the civil rights movement. In repeated interviews, in campaign events, and in national keynote speeches, at the Democratic convention of both, uh, conventions of both Maine and California, Biden had told wild tales about how he marched and sat in and boycotted during the civil rights movement. He even went so far as to suggest that he had traveled to Selma and Birmingham with such actions. But with his campaign completely in tatters, Joe Biden broke down and finally said they were all lies. Which takes me to the first true statement 
Joe Biden made about his work in the civil rights movement. And this is a quote from him. This is in September of 1987. He just stepped down from the campaign. He is a national laughingstock. Literally, I saw clips from all of the late night shows. I mean, he is the butt of all jokes. And he steps down from the campaign. And when he steps down, he didn't fully acknowledge the lies he told about his work in the civil rights movement. And it basically forced him to have to have another moment, another press conference. And so the next day he had it and he says this. These are his words. This is an exact quote. During the 1960s, I was, in fact, very concerned about the civil rights movement. I was not an activist. I worked at an all-black swimming pool in the east side of Wilmington, Delaware. I was involved in what they were thinking and what they were feeling. I don't know what that means, but that's another statement later. Joe goes on to say, but I was not out marching. I was not down in Selma. Listen to this. I was not anywhere else. I was a suburbanite kid who got a dose of exposure to what was happening to black Americans. And then when he was pushed about false claims that he had also been fighting against the Vietnam War, Joe Biden also owned up to that lie. And here's what he said. He says, when I was at Syracuse, I was married. I was in law school. I wore sports coats. You're looking at a middle-class guy. I am who I am. I'm not big on flak jackets and tie-dyed shirts. You know, that's not me. Let me play a clip of him acknowledging some of those lies. Here it is. I am not culturally one of those guys who likes to, uh, I don't fit very well with, I'm not a joiner. I don't go out, I'm not very, I, I was out of sync with. By the time the war movement was at its peak when I was at Syracuse, I was married. I was in law school. I wore sport coats. I was not part of that. I'm serious. What y'all don't seem to understand, is some of you, I think you understand it. I don't think you're really being, well, I won't characterize it. But, you know, there was a four-year period there, folks. There's light, there's a, a, a light years. When I was on the college campus, those of you who go back with me, 1961 to 65, Vietnam was like Nicaragua is now. We all said that's kind of stupid, but it's going to end. But you don't see many people marching on campuses. Go up to my son's campus in Philadelphia, or go down south, or go out west. It's nothing like the anti-war movement. That's about where Vietnam was in 1963, and 64, and 65. So I find you all going back and saying, well, where were you, Senator Biden, at the time? You know, I think it's bizarre. I think it's bizarre. And then when the movement did catch up, I was a 23-year-old guy, married. And look, you're looking at a middle-class guy. I am who I am. I'm not big on flak jackets and tie-dye shirts and, you know, that's not me. I'm serious. Those words from Joe Biden in September of 1987 after stepping down from his presidential campaign He said those words in great part because he was trying to save his entire career. There were rumors that he would have to step down from the Senate, that he could never run for office again. And so when he says, listen, I was not an activist. I was not down in Selma. I was not anywhere else. 
when he said, I was a suburbanite kid who got a dose of exposure to what was happening to black Americans, when he said that, those honest, transparent words from Joe Biden are the single truest words he ever spoke about his involvement in the civil rights movement. From 1987, listen to me, from 1987 until the release of his autobiography, Promises to Keep on Life and Politics, it's a 400-page book. I read it from cover to cover. From 1987 until 2007, 20 years later, as he got ready to enter another presidential race, Joe Biden was actually very careful to never tell another lie about his involvement in the civil rights movement. And that leads me to truth number two, the second true statement that Joe Biden made about his life and work in the civil rights movement. Joe Biden's autobiography is colorful. He's a great storyteller. And when I purchased the book, which is 400 plus pages long, I was very curious how he was going to frame his involvement, if you will, in the civil rights movement. I just did air quotes to involvement. You couldn't see them, but I did. I read the book from cover to cover. And in light of what Joe Biden is now again saying, he is now saying in Iowa, in South Carolina, that he was a part of the civil rights movement, that he was trained in black churches, that he registered voters, that he marched and demonstrated and did sit-ins. He's saying all these lies again, that he got in so much trouble for telling in 1987 that he said never happened. In light of him telling those lies again, I could not wait to see what he said about them in his autobiography. And what I found in his autobiography, I'm not easily shocked. It shocked me. Joe Biden, 400 pages, reduces his entire involvement in the civil rights movement to just two sentences on page 43. Two sentences. No sit-ins, no trainings, no marches, just two sentences. Page 43, here's what he says. I worked there. He's talking about the swimming pool he worked at. I worked there back in the early 60s when freedom rides and sit-ins and Bull Connor's dogs and fire hoses were starting to get people's attention. Like everybody else in America in those years, I was getting dramatic lessons about segregation and civil rights from newspapers and television. That's it. That's the whole section. Two sentences on page 43. I'm talking about he tells his life story in great vivid detail. And when he says what he learned about the civil rights movement, he has a sentence about learning about it from newspapers and television. That's it. That's the whole section he wrote in his 400-page autobiography about his involvement in the civil rights movement. Newspapers and television. That's where Joe Biden, like most people, in his own words, admitted that he learned about the civil rights movement. Newspapers and television. Not during trainings in black churches, and I'll play the clip in just a moment, where just this week, just last week, just last month, 
He is saying stories he's never said before. He doesn't talk in his book about sit-ins at segregated restaurants and movie theaters. He doesn't talk about these deeply organized marches and protests that he claimed to be a part of along Route 40 in Delaware. See, here's the thing. Here's the deal. And you all know this because I talk about it. I just spent a year writing a book. My book comes out this April. And the editing and fact-checking process for my book, and I'm not Joe Biden, the editing and fact-checking process was fierce. It took months. And the same was true of Joe Biden's autobiography. Unlike a campaign speech or a media interview, Biden, or, or at least his aides, they knew better than to tell lies about his days as an activist in the civil rights movement in his autobiography. Or for that matter, Joe Biden doesn't mention anything about the civil rights movement or any training, any sit-ins, any protests, any marches in any of his future books. It's never mentioned, not one single time. And that's what I call a tell, a tell. In every fact-checked publication and speech and video, everyone Joe Biden has ever produced, every mention of his work in the civil rights movement is completely omitted because it doesn't actually exist. Listen to me. Could you imagine being a 17-year-old white boy in Delaware in 1960 who did sit-ins and boycotts and protests and marches and voter registration drives while being trained in black churches? Could you imagine doing all of that and not having one single story or memory or recollection to tell about it? It's fundamentally absurd. Those events, and I talked to so many people in Delaware, legendary activists and organizers, historians and griots who remember those moments. Those moments would have had such a drastic impact on Joe and on his whole family for that matter that those stories would be told nonstop. That's why it's so incredibly disturbing that after Joe Biden admitted in 1987 to telling such egregious lies about his work in the civil rights movement, that he has now, under the pressure and the rigors of the 2020 presidential campaign, he has now resorted to doing it again. And if it was a lie, listen, here's how history works. If it was a lie in 1987 that he marched and did sit-ins and so much more, guess how history works? It's still a lie today. And today, in Iowa, in South Carolina, on the campaign trail, on television, in speeches, in interviews, Joe Biden is now lying about his work in the movement as if we don't have Google, as if the internet is not a thing, as if YouTube is not real. After nearly losing his entire career because of lie after lie that he told in 1987, from 1987, listen, 
from 1987 until 2014, Joe Biden appeared to refrain from telling any lies at all about his role in the civil rights movement. He, he got quiet. And when he released his autobiography, he just told the truth. In a second, I'll play some clips from when President Obama introduced him in 2007, when the DNC nominated him in 2008. I'll play clips where you'll see they tell the truth about Joe Biden's role in the civil rights movement. But suddenly something weird happened in 2014. Joe Biden is still vice president and he's giving a speech at a King Day breakfast in January of 2014 for Al Sharpton's National Action Network. And Joe Biden in that moment resorted back to the same old debunked lies that he'd already acknowledged and apologized for. But he also told a brand new one, one that he had never told in his entire life, saying that he was regularly trained for the civil rights movement in 1960 on Sunday mornings in black churches. And here's what he said, and then I'll play the clip for you. He's speaking, and I'll try to say it how he says it, and then you can hear him for yourself. He says, and so I got involved in DSEG, and he pauses for a minute. He says, I was no big shakes, Reverend, in the civil rights movement. I got involved in desegregating movie theaters and helping you. You may remember Reverend Moyer in Delaware and Herman Holloway organized voter registration drives coming out of black churches on Sunday, figuring out how we were going to move. Let me play the clip for you. But it was it was it was an epiphany for me. And so I got involved in deseg. I was no big shakes, Reverend, in the civil rights. I was just a kid. I got involved in desegregated movie theaters and helping. You may remember Reverend Moyer in Delaware and Herman Holloway organized voter registration drives, coming out of black churches on Sunday, figuring how we were going to move. But you know what? Dr. King, if you remember, you all do. For the life of me, I cannot explain why Joe Biden told the lie that in 1960 he was going to black churches with Reverend Moyer and Herman Holloway and organizing and registering voters and going out with them, training in these black churches. That never happened. And from 2014 into early 2019, Joe Biden would not again tell that lie. He would not repeat that false claim that he was an activist and organizer in the civil rights movement and was training in black churches. But once again, for the third time, he began running for president and he could not resist himself. It's as if he's not fully clear on how the Internet works. And I swear I'm not being ageist. I actually wonder, is he aware that every speech he's ever given is all on the Internet? It's all there. It's in databases. If they aren't on YouTube, it's on C-SPAN. If it's not on C-SPAN, you can find it on LexisNexis. It's out there. And again, this time, though, running for president for the third time, 
in Waterloo, Iowa, on this past December 5th of 2019, Joe Biden, after already acknowledging in his very first presidential campaign that he was not an activist, he was not in Selma, he says, quote, I was not anywhere else. I was in suburbia. After acknowledging that and apologizing, he starts telling the lies again. Not just about being an activist and organizer, but he starts to add that new colorful lie from 2014 that he was being trained as an activist in black churches on Sunday morning. And here's what he says. He says, and and I'll let you hear it, but he says, I got involved. He says, most of you don't know me well, but I got involved in public life. Because when I was about the age of that guy standing over there, and he points to a teenage boy, I got involved in the civil rights movement. He says, well, I got my education, Reverend Doc, he points to a young black man there in the church. I got my education in the black church. This is Joe Biden's words. He says, not a joke. Because when we used to get organized on Sundays to go out and desegregate movie theaters and things like that. We do it through the black church. He says, I got to admit that I'd go to Catholic mass at 731st and then I'd show up in the black church. Let me play this clip for you. And I'm deeply disturbed because he's looking people right in the face and lying to them. Listen. But here's the deal. The reason I'm running as you're looking at it right here. No, 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 I really mean it. I got involved, most of you don't know me well, but I got involved in public life uh, because when I was about the age of the guy standing over there, I got involved in the civil rights movement. Uh, My state is a state that was uh, segregated by law. And uh, we have the eighth largest black population in the United States of America as a percent of population. And my passion was ignited when I saw what was happening when we moved down from a place called Scranton, Pennsylvania, with very few minorities in that in that city. But I moved down to Delaware when I was in third grade, a little town called Claymont. And uh, what I found out was that uh, there was a significant African-American population. But guess what? They weren't able to go to school, the places that, uh, that we went to school. And I remember asking my mom, what was that all about? And she explained to me, I thought, how can that be? And so I got engaged. I never planned on running for public office. I love reading biographies of me now about how I knew I was going to run for the United States Senate. I knew I was going to run for president. Didn't know that at all. But I got my education, Reverend Doc, in the black church. Not a joke. Because when we used to get organized on Sundays to go out and desegregate movie theaters and things like that, we'd do it through the black church. I got to admit to you, I'd go to my Catholic mass at 730 first, and then I'd show up in the black church. I, I have to go a little deeper and break something down for you, all right? Break it down. Because Joe Biden did not actually do what he's saying he did in this video or in other videos, because he did not actually wake up early as a 17-year-old high school senior to go to the 7.30 a.m. Catholic Mass so that he could then go to a local black church 
for their 10 a.m. service to be trained for the civil rights movement. Because he didn't actually do that, he has absolutely no idea just how foolish it actually sounds. Let me explain to you what I mean, not just because because I actually did grow up in the black church, not just because I was a pastor, not just because I was trained in black church history. If you know anything about the black church and black churches, particularly in the 1960s, you would know this, that on Sunday morning, particularly at the 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. service that Joe Biden says he would then go to after he would go to his Catholic mass, you would know that those were not civil rights meetings. Those were not training sessions. Those were not organizing moments. On Sunday morning, I I mean, even in Selma, in Birmingham, even during the heart of the civil rights movement, even in the Deep South, even in churches pastored by Dr. King himself, Sunday morning was not like a Monday night planning meeting or a strategy session. Sunday mornings were sacred religious moments where oppressed and broken people, where people who had worked their asses off every day came together and prayed and sang and praised God and gave an offering, listened to a sermon, and then invited people to become a member of the church. And here's the thing, even during the Montgomery bus boycott, Sunday morning services, even in that moment, were almost exclusively religious in nature. They weren't brainstorming sessions. And when Joe Biden says, listen, Rev, you know, I would go to the early morning service at my Catholic church and then hop over to the black church where we would train and get ready to desegregate. That's not how it ever worked. Not in Wilmington. I spoke to people whose families, I spoke to people who attended these churches who said, no, of course not. Sunday morning was a deeply spiritual, religious moment. But Biden describes it as if he would leave a religious moment for himself and go to some organizing black church. That's not what happened. But apparently, itching for another scandal to yet end another presidential campaign, Joe Biden continues to tell these lies. This time, I was actually in the same city as Joe Biden. Joe Biden, right before King Day, was in Columbia, South Carolina, and I was literally a few blocks away from him when he told this lie. At a special service at Bethlehem Baptist Church, a wonderful, historic, beautiful church in Columbia, South Carolina, on this past Sunday, he told this lie. And each time, I'm about to play the clip for you, each time he tells these lies, it appears as if, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him, and I wish you could see it, it appears as if he's abandoning the script he's been given, and he starts to add new layers of lies onto the old one. He's not reading this from notes. Of course he's not. Here's what he says 
to the congregation, and it's abusive. It's disrespectful. It's wrong. It's disqualifying for him to be at the black church in Columbia, South Carolina, telling this lie. Here's what he says. He says, you know, when I was a teenager in Delaware, for real, I got involved in the civil rights movement. He says, we have the eighth largest black population in America. Most people don't know that. And uh, I'd go to eight o'clock mass a month ago. He said the 730 mass. He says, then I'd go to Reverend Herring's church where we'd meet in order to organize and figure where we were going to go, whether we were going to go desegregate the Rialto Theater or what we were going to do. I got my education for real in the black church. And that's not hyperbole. It's a fact. Let me let you listen to it for yourself. It's probably the clip, the new clip that bothers me the most. Just listen. You know, when I was a teenager in Delaware, for real, I got involved in the civil rights movement. We have the eighth largest black population in America. Most people don't know that. And uh, I'd go to eight o'clock mass and I'd go to Reverend Herring's church where we'd meet in order to organize and figure where we were going to go, whether we're going to desegregate the Rialdo movie theater or what we were going to do. I got my education for real in the black church. And that's not hyperbole. It's a fact. Did you hear Joe Biden say the name Reverend Herring? When he speaks of Reverend Herring, he is speaking of the legendary Reverend Otis Herring of Union Baptist Church in Wilmington, Delaware. And other times this year when Joe Biden tells this story, he says he'd leave mass and he'd go to the Reverend Maurice Moyers Church. I spoke to members of those churches, former members of those churches, people who attended those churches back in the day and deep into the 70s, 80s, and 90s, as well as people who are close to the families of Reverend Herring and Reverend Moyer, neither of those stories that Joe Biden is telling are true. Joe Biden met both of those men much later in life. He did not meet them when he was 17 years old. He was not attending those churches when he was 17 years old. In fact, he only learned about their great work in the movement in retrospect. Reverends Herring and Moyer were revered in Delaware, and Joe Biden is abusing their names and their deaths by falsely claiming that they were his mentors in 1960. They were not. Four different people in Wilmington, Delaware, which is just not very big, expressed to me that these claims, these new claims of Joe Biden, that he would go to Reverend Moyer's church, that he would go to Reverend Herring's church and be trained and organized, and then they would go do civil rights actions together. Four different people told me that those claims are so outrageous and ludicrous and dishonest that it caused them to truly, and they weren't BSing, to truly worry about Joe Biden's mental health. This past week in Iowa, Joe Biden went so far as to say this quote, I was raised in the black church. 
Are you kidding me? You were raised in the black church. No, you weren't. It's about as absurd of a claim that I, I don't know that I have ever heard a more absurd claim uttered. Certainly not from Joe Biden. Certainly not from anybody else running for president for the Democratic nomination for president. Again, I must remind you that Joe Biden is nearly 80 years old and has never mentioned this his entire life. It's not in his autobiographies. He did not mention that in the 70s when his campaign crashed and burned. He still did not say, listen to me. I, I was trained by this man right here, Reverend Herring. I was trained by this man right here, Reverend Moyer. They were alive. I went to their churches on Sunday morning, and then we went out to boycott and picket and sit in. If that was true, he would have said it in 1987. And everybody who's still alive, who was alive then, is calling him out. It's not true. Listen to me. I need you to understand for a moment that when Joe Biden was telling the truth about his life, I need you just for a moment to get a glimpse of all of the places that Joe Biden and President Barack Obama and all of their staff, I need you to see all the places that they left out Joe Biden's lies about him working and organizing in the civil rights movement. Listen to me. In 2008, Barack Obama, and you have to understand how many of you voted for Barack Obama, organized and volunteered for Barack Obama. You'd have to go back in time to understand the hope, the energy, the optimism that it engendered. In 2008, the first black man to ever win the Democratic nomination for president, he gave a rousing speech in Illinois to introduce Joe Biden as his choice for vice president. It's a 20-minute speech. And can you imagine the first black man to ever get the Democratic nomination? Can you imagine just how important and how relevant it would have been to include Joe Biden's work in the civil rights movement. Could you imagine if Barack Obama chose a man who was trained in the black church, who organized and volunteered and registered voters who did sit-ins and marches, and then the first black man to ever be nominated for president introduces this white man as his vice presidential pick, and doesn't mention a single word of it. It's unthinkable that Joe Biden, as he now says, was trained as a 17-year-old white boy in black churches, that he boycotted, that he marched, that he put his body on the line all over Delaware, all for equality and freedom. But it never, it's unthinkable that it never got mentioned one single time by Barack Obama, not just in this speech that I'm about to play for you, but it never, listen to me, it never got mentioned by Barack Obama one single time. 
time ever. I'm going to play just a short clip of President Obama introducing Joe Biden. For months, I've searched for a leader to finish this journey alongside me and to join me in making Washington work for the American people. I search for a leader who understands the rising costs confronting working people and will always put their dreams first. A leader who sees clearly the challenges facing America in a changing world, with our security and standing set back by eight years of a failed foreign policy. A leader who shares my vision of an open government that calls all citizens, Democrats, Republicans, and independents, to a common purpose. Above all, I searched for a leader who is ready to step in and be present. Today, I have come back to Springfield to tell you that I've found that leader. A man with a distinguished record. A man with fundamental decency. And that man is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is that rare mix. For decades, he's brought change to Washington, but Washington hasn't changed him. He's an expert on foreign policy whose heart and values are firmly rooted in the middle class. He's stared down dictators and spoken out for American cops and firefighters. He is uniquely suited to be my partner as we work to put our country back on track. When Joe Biden came up after this speech, first, I mean, you have to see it. Like, it's over 10,000 people. It's outdoors. It's in Illinois. Barack Obama has gotten the Democratic nomination, and the energy and the momentum is palpable. And Barack Obama spends 20 minutes introducing Joe Biden, never mentions that he organized and registered voters, that he was trained in the black church, that he did sit-ins and marches. Barack Obama doesn't mention a single bit of that. And when Joe Biden comes up after this speech to humbly accept the task ahead, he too leaves out any mention of his work in the civil rights movement. Could you imagine if Joe Biden, as a 17-year-old white boy in 1960, before Barack Obama was even born, was protesting segregation doing sit-ins, risking arrest, putting his body on the line. As Joe Biden, you'll hear in a minute, protesting along the dangerous Route 40 in Delaware, registering voters. Could you imagine doing all of that? What it would then feel like to be introduced by Barack Obama and then not mention any of that work? A few weeks later, when Joe Biden was then introduced and nominated as the vice presidential nominee, this time at the Democratic National Convention in 2008, it was one of the most historic, most watched moments in DNC history. And as we neared closer to electing our first black president again, Joe Biden made no mention of his time in the civil rights movement. Nothing. 
Could you imagine how powerful and profound it would have been to say, when I was registering black, when I would go and train in the black churches and we would go out together hand in hand, I dreamed of the day where we would nominate a president like this. But of course, he never mentioned it. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. What better moment would Joe Biden ever have to mention his work in the civil rights movement than right when he got the official Democratic nomination? My parents taught us to live our faith and to treasure our families. We learned the dignity of work, and we were told that anyone can make it if they just try hard enough. That was America's promise. And for those of us who grew up in middle-class neighborhoods like Scranton and Wilmington, that was the American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, but today, today, that American dream feels like it's slowly slipping away. I don't have to tell you that. You feel it every single day in your own lives. I've never seen a time when Washington has watched so many people get knocked down without doing anything to help them get back up. Then the DNC did this long, it's wonderful, like they had someone from Hollywood produce it. The DNC did this long biographical video of Joe Biden at the 2012 Democratic National Convention. And again, they told Joe Biden's story from his birth all the way up until 2012. Not a single mention of the civil rights movement. Nothing. Even, listen to me, even when President Obama bestowed the Presidential Medal of Freedom on Joe Biden, the highest honor you can give a civilian, when President Obama spent nearly 20 minutes talking about Joe Biden and recounted all of Joe Biden's accomplishments across his political and personal life, President Obama made not a single mention of the civil rights movement. Nothing. President Obama did not mention it, not registering voters, not doing sit-ins, not marching, not demonstrating. He said nothing. And when Joe Biden got up to accept the honor, he talked about everything he did, but made not a single mention of it. It's fundamentally, hear my heart, it's fundamentally preposterous to believe that a former freedom fighter in the civil rights movement got a presidential medal of freedom by the first black president. But all of that was left out by that first black president when he gave this man the presidential medal of freedom. It was left out by the vice president. It was completely ignored. Listen to me, not just in this speech. I'll play a small clip of this speech for you now. It was not just ignored by President Obama in this speech. President Obama in eight years, in every book, every speech, everything he ever said during his entire presidency, never once said anything about Joe Biden being a freedom fighter in the civil rights movement. Let me play you a small clip of President Obama giving Joe Biden the Presidential Medal of Freedom. This is an extraordinary man with an extraordinary career in public service. 
This is somebody the people of Delaware sent to the Senate as quickly as they possibly could. <laughs> Elected at age 29. For more than a dozen years apiece, he served as chair or ranking member of the Judiciary and Foreign Relations Committees. Domestically, he championed landmark legislation to make our communities safer, to protect our women from violence. Internationally, his wisdom and capacity to build relationships has shaped our nation's response to the fall of the Berlin Wall and the Iron Curtain, to counterterrorism, Iraq, Afghanistan. And for the past eight years, he could not have been a more devoted or effective partner in the progress that we've made. He fought to make college more affordable and revitalize American manufacturing as the head of our middle class task force. He suited up for our cancer moonshot, giving hope to millions of Americans touched by this disease. And here's the thing. When Joe Biden actually has an experience, I need you to I need you to get this, okay? When Joe Biden actually lives through an experience, like the time, listen, when he really was the only lifeguard at a segregated swimming pool for one summer in 1962 in Wilmington, Delaware, when Joe Biden actually has an experience, his stories and the details about those moments are endless. He talks about them over and over and over again. He has an entire chapter in his autobiography just about the swimming pool. And I've counted hundreds of times across the years where Joe Biden has told a story about his one summer in 1962 at that swimming pool. He won't stop talking about it. And that's fine. It was a beautiful, profound experience for Joe Biden. And he speaks about it, listen to me, in detail because he actually lived it. But from the early 1970s until this very week, when Joe Biden, and this is what I need you to get, when Joe Biden mentions stories of his work in the civil rights movement, he does something very un-Joe-like the details become scarce. Instead of telling a whole story, he'll say a sentence. He all of a sudden, he's a very vivid, colorful storyteller. All of a sudden, when Joe Biden tells a story about his work in the civil rights movement, it has no color, no nuance. He doesn't tell you how he felt, what it looked like, who he was with, he doesn't tell you what it sounded like or what the specific actions were. I want to know, were you afraid? Were you arrested? Because everybody else was. We've not only seen their arrest records, I spoke to them. Were you arrested? How come your name doesn't appear in any arrest records when you did these sit-ins? What did you tell your dear mother and father and siblings when you were joining the civil rights movement and leaving Catholic mass to go to the black church? What stories did you tell them about your experiences? Because they never mentioned them. How did they feel 
about the boldness and courage that you were demonstrating putting your life on the line along Route 40 at the Rialto Theater? How did they feel when you were leading sit-ins and registering voters? How did you feel? Who did you travel with? How did you get from Catholic Mass to the black church? Who invited you there? Who welcomed you there? What did you think of the music and the message and the sermon? What did you learn from it? How did it feel to be the only white boy in that congregation? How did they treat you? What did they call you? What did that, what impact did that have on you? What did your classmates and teachers and mentors think about what you were doing in the civil rights movement in high school in 1960? How did the sit-ins end? Did someone put their hands on you like they did everybody else? How come you never mentioned it? What did the owners of the restaurants and movie theaters say to you when you did sit-ins, as you say, at the Rialto? What'd they say to you? Do you know that owner? You know his name? What did he say to you? All of these details, I want to know because they are all left out of every book that you've ever written, every speech you've ever given when you were vice president and when President Obama talked about, they're gone, they're missing. They just don't exist. I want to know the details. You're a colorful storyteller. Give us some colorful stories. Where are the photos? Where are the images or newspaper clippings? I want to know because I looked at thousands of newspaper articles. I looked literally at every newspaper article in Wilmington, Delaware, from 1959 to 1969, and you're not there. Other people are there in the photos, in the stories, speaking about their experiences. Where were you? Where are the details from Joe Biden in his autobiography? Why was it so thoroughly omitted from the entire presidency of Barack Obama? Listen, I'm about, for all of you, I'm about to carefully track and detail the painful, disturbing lies Joe Biden has made for nearly 50 years about his involvement in the civil rights movement. I have interviewed esteemed historians of the civil rights movement, as well as countless historians of Delaware history. I have interviewed living legends and elders from the civil, civil rights movement in Delaware that were in Wilmington and all over the state when Joe Biden claimed to be doing courageous work in the movement. I spoke to the people. I have carefully combed through the archives of every single newspaper article ever written about the civil rights movement in Delaware, over a thousand total articles from the time Joe Biden moved to Delaware until he became United States Senator. I have found and carefully cataloged every single mention of Joe Biden's work in the civil rights movement in newspapers and books and magazines from 1973 until today, until this morning. I have found and carefully cataloged Every single video where Joe Biden mentions his quote-unquote work in the civil rights movement. And I'm about to share that information with you. It is amazing to me that Joe Biden has gotten a pass 
on all of this for this long. It is an indictment on our media that he has been able to tell these lies without consequence for so long. I spoke to to current and former elected officials in Delaware, and they told me that it is an open secret among them that Joe Biden is a serial pathological liar when it comes to his quote-unquote work in the civil rights movement, and that he has told such lies for so long, so many times, that it is an unwritten rule in Delaware that one must hold their nose and go along with them or risk being ostracized in such a small, close-knit political community. Joe Biden is a legend in Delaware. And crossing him there is akin to political suicide. Now I want to explain the history of Joe Biden's lies about his work in the civil rights movement. It's the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, break it down now. On tomorrow's episode of The Breakdown, I am going to play for you and break down what I believe are the origins of Joe Biden's lies about his work in the civil rights movement. And I'm going to go back in time and show you when Joe Biden first began saying that he was leading sit-ins, he was leading marches, he was leading protests, and how it became actually long before he was running for president in 1987, it became a huge part of his public persona. In fact, when I go back, and I will read these newspaper clippings to you, when I go back to the 70s, he first ran for president in the 1988 presidential election. When I go back to the 70s, it begins talking about Joe Biden's sit-in work in restaurants and businesses along Route 40 in Delaware, including in the Washington Post and in other places. I'm going to break all of that down and say how it, it had a huge part with the respect people gave Joe Biden. We'll be back tomorrow breaking this down. Of course, a major shout out to everybody who's helped with this episode, all the research assistants, uh, the managing editor of the North Star, Eric Barrow, for his support, to our podcast director, Lissandra, to our full-time music and podcast producer Willis. Thank all of you for your hard work on this and every episode. Be back tomorrow. Break it Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home.